Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 138. As we work through the book of Kings and Chronicles now, we'll be meeting a number of kings. Some will go by quickly, some a little bit more time will be taken to describe them. But as we listen to their stories, we often see this connection between children of the kings, the new kings, carrying on the things the fathers did, the sins of the father. Sometimes there's change, but most often there's not. And it reminds us of the importance of how the next generation learns about how to live their lives. And what's incredible about the passage combination we have today, this mixture of passages, is that Titus chapter 3 actually gives us hope For those of us who are saying, I'd like to change, I'd like to be different, I don't want the sins of my father to be the ones that I follow, the sins of my parents, or have me as a parent be passing these on to my kids in the way I behave, I want to see change. And Titus 3 has a wonderful answer as to how we can all change in ways that do truly keep us from repeating the sins of the fathers. And so let's read from Kings and Chronicles, and then we'll get to Titus and see how it all works together. 1 Kings chapter 15. In the eighteenth year of the reign of Jeroboam son of Nebat, Abijah became king over Judah. He ruled for three years in Jerusalem. His mother was Makah, the daughter of Absalom. He followed all the sinful practices of his father before him. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God, as his ancestor David had been. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God maintained his dynasty in Jerusalem by giving him a son to succeed him and by protecting Jerusalem. He did this because David had done what he approved and had not disregarded any of his commandments his entire lifetime except for the incident involving Uriah the Hittite. Rehoboam and Jeroboam were continually at war with each other throughout Abijah's lifetime. The rest of the events of Abijah's reign, including all his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. Abijah and Jeroboam had been at war with each other. Abijah passed away and was buried in the city of David. His son Asa replaced him as king. Asa, in the twentieth year of Jeroboam's reign reign over Israel, became king of Judah. He ruled for forty-one years in Jerusalem. His grandmother was Makah, daughter of Absalom. Asa did what the Lord approved as his ancestor David had done. He removed the male cultic prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the disgusting idols his ancestors had made. He also removed Makah, his grandmother, from her position as queen mother because she had made a loathsome Asherah pole. Asa cut down her loathsome pole and burned it in the Kidron Valley. The high places were not eliminated, yet yet Asa was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord throughout his lifetime. He brought the holy items that he and his father had made into the, house, into the Lord's temple, including silver, gold, and other articles. Now Asa and King Basha of Israel were continually at war with each other. King Basha of Israel attacked Judah and established Ramah as a military outpost to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the land of the king of King Asa of Judah. Asa took all the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of the royal palace and handed it to his servants. He then told them to deliver it to Ben-Hadad, son of Tabaramon, 
the son of Hezion, king of Syria, ruler in Damascus, along with this message. I want to make a treaty with you like the one our fathers made. See, I have sent you silver and gold as a present. Break your treaty with King Basha of Israel, so he will retreat from my land. Ben-Hadad accepted King Asa's offer and ordered his army officers to attack the cities of Israel. They conquered Aijon, Dan, abel beth and all the territory of Naphtali, including the region of Kinnereth. When Basha heard the news, he stopped fortifying Ramah and sent down in, settled down in Terza. King Asa ordered all the men of Judah, no exemptions were granted, to carry away the stones and wood that Basha had used to rebuild Ramah. King Asa used the materials to build up Geba in Benjamin and Mizpah. And Mizpah sorry. The rest of the events of Asa's reign, including all his successes and accomplishments, as well as a record of the cities he built, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. Yet when he was very old, he developed a foot disease. Asa passed away and was buried with his ancestors in the city of his ancestor David. His son Jehoshaphat replaced him as king. In the second year of Asa's reign over Judah, Jeroboam's son Nadab became king of Israel. He ruled Israel for two years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He followed in his father's footsteps and encouraged Israel to sin. Basha, son of Ahijah from the tribe of Issachar, conspired against Nadab and assassinated him in Gibbonathon, which was in Philistine territory. This happened while Nadab and the, all the Israelite army were besieging Gibbethon. Basha killed him in the third year of Asa's reign over Judah and replaced him as king. When he became king, he executed Jeroboam's entire family. He wiped out everyone who breathed, in keeping with the Lord's message that had been spoken through his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. This happened because of the sins which Jeroboam committed and which he made Israel commit. These sins angered the God of Israel. The rest of the events of Nadab's reign, including all his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. Asa and King Basha of Israel were continually at war with each other. In the third year of Asa's reign over Judah, Basha, son of Ahijah, became king over Israel in Terza. He ruled for 24 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He followed in Jeroboam's footsteps and encouraged Israel to sin. And now we'll move to 2 Chronicles chapter 13 and 14, which have similar accounts, but some different stories included in here as well. And we see that right off the bat with Abijah and a story about a war that he was in that wasn't in Kings. In the 18th year of the reign of King Jeroboam, Abijah became king over Judah. He ruled for three years in Jerusalem. His mother was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel from Gibeah. There was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah launched the attack with 400,000 well-trained warriors, while Jeroboam deployed against him 800,000 well-trained warriors. Abijah ascended Mount Zemarim in the Ephraimite hill country and said, Listen to me, Jeroboam and all Israel. Don't you realize that the Lord God of Israel has given David and his dynasty lasting dominion over Israel by a formal covenant? Jeroboam, son of Nebat, a servant of Solomon, son of David, rose up and rebelled against his master. Lawless, good-for-nothing men gathered around him and conspired against Rehoboam, son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was an inexperienced young man and could not resist them. Now you are declaring that you will resist the Lord's rule through the Davidic dynasty. You have a huge army and bring with you the gold calves that Jeroboam made for you as gods. 
But you banished the Lord's priests, Aaron's descendants, and the Levites, and appointed your own priests just as the surrounding nations do. Anyone who comes to consecrate himself with a young bull or seven rams becomes a priest of these fake gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not rejected him. Aaron's descendants serve as the Lord's priests, and the Levites assist them with the work. They offer burnt sacrifices to the Lord every morning and every evening, along with the fragrant incense. They arrange the bread of the presence on a ritually clean table and light the lamps on the gold lampstand every evening. Certainly we are observing the Lord our God's regulations, but you have rejected him. Now look, God is with us as our leader. His priests are ready to blow the trumpets to signal the attack against you. You Israelites, Israelites, don't fight against the Lord God of your ancestors, for you will not win. Now Jeroboam had sent some men to ambush the Judahite army from behind. The main army was in front of the Judahite army, and the ambushers were behind it. The men of Judah turned around and realized they were being attacked from the front and the rear. So they cried out to the Lord for help. The priests blew their trumpets, and the men of Judah gave the battle cry. As the men of Judah gave the battle cry, God struck down Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. The Israelites fled from before the Judahite army, and God handed them over to the men of Judah. Abijah and his army thoroughly defeated them. 500,000 well-trained Israelite men fell dead. That day the Israelites were defeated. The men of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their ancestors. Abijah chased Jeroboam. He seized him from him these cities, Bethel and its surrounding towns, Jeshana and its surrounding towns, and Ephron and its surrounding towns. Jeroboam did not regain power during the reign of Abijah. The Lord struck him down and he died. Abijah's power grew. He had 14 wives and fathered 22 sons and 16 daughters. The rest of the events of Abijah's reign, including his deeds and sayings, are recorded in the writings of the prophet Iddo. Abijah passed away and was buried in the city of David. His son Asa replaced him as king. During his reign, the land had rest for ten years. Asa did what the Lord his God desired and approved. He removed the pagan altars in the high places, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He ordered Judah to seek the Lord God of their ancestors and observe his law and commands. He removed the high places and the incense altars from all the towns of Judah. The kingdom had rest under his rule. He built fortified cities throughout Judah, for the land was at rest and there was no war during those years. The Lord gave him peace. He said to the people of Judah, Let's build these cities and fortify them with walls, towers, and barred gates. The land remains ours because we have followed the Lord our God. We have followed him, and he has made us secure on all sides. So they built the cities and prospered. Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah, equipped with large shields and spears. He also had 280,000 men from Benjamin who carried small shields and were adept archers. They were all skilled warriors. Zerah the Cushite marched against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. He arrived at Marashah, and Asa went out to oppose him. They deployed for battle in the valley of Zaphathah near Marashah. Asa prayed to the Lord his God, saying, O Lord, There is no one but you who can help the weak when they are vastly outnumbered. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you and have marched on your behalf against this huge army. O Lord our God, don't let men prevail against you. 
The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army chased them as far as Gerar. The Cushites were wiped out. They were scattered before the Lord and his army. The men of Judah carried off a huge amount of plunder. They defeated all the towns surrounding Gerar, for the Lord God caused them to panic. The men of Judah looted all the towns, for they contained a huge amount of goods. They also attacked the tents of the herdsmen in charge of the livestock. They carried off many sheep and camels, and then they returned to Jerusalem. And so we see this uh, turn of events here, and Asa doing something that the others hadn't done. Those who had followed in the sins of their fathers didn't do what Asa did, and Asa basically said, I need your help, God. Lead me. Do what I can't do. And God responds to that kind of prayer. And that leads us really to Titus chapter 3, where we see the Apostle Paul finish his letter to Titus with some incredible words about God's grace, our need for it, and how that changes us. So Titus chapter 3. Remind them, this is Paul speaking to Titus to remind the people he's leading, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. They must not slander anyone, but be peaceable, gentle, showing complete courtesy to all people. For we, too, were once foolish, disobedient, misled, enslaved to various passions and desires, spending our lives in evil and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but on the basis of His mercy, through the washing of the new birth and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us in full measure through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so, since we have been justified by his grace, we become heirs with a confident expectation of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on such truths so that those who have, been placed, who have placed their faith in God may be intent on engaging in good works. These things are good and beneficial for all people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, quarrels, and fights about the law, because they are useless and empty. Reject a divisive person after one or two warnings. You know that such a person is twisted by sin and is conscious of it by conscious of it himself. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Make every effort to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. Make sure they have what they need. Here is another way that our people can learn to engage in good works to meet pressing needs and so not be unfruitful. Everyone with me greets you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. I just love this part of Titus 3 where the Apostle Paul shares the reason that we can actually do every good work, and that is because God has poured out the renewing Holy Spirit in our hearts in full measure through Jesus Christ, our Savior. What an incredible reminder that God is the one who gives us the gift of forgiveness and righteousness and also his Spirit empowering us to live new lives. And that is where we find the strength and the courage to obey and not repeat the sins of our fathers or mothers. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. 
Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-